0: Welcome back to Murder on Sex Island. Written and read by me, Joe Firestone. This is Episode 8, where I'll be reading Chapters 28 through 31. If you just listened to Episode 7, feel free to hit that little fast-forward button. But if you need a reminder of what happened in the last few chapters, here's a recap. Luella learned that the wildcard contestant, AJ, was someone from her past. Ethan and Phil might be sent home after both weren't chosen on Women's Choice Wednesday, and Tasha has been acting more and more suspicious. Luella finally talked with an island detective who doesn't know much more than she does. 28. I walked out of the police station thinking about Tasha and was immediately hit with a wall of humidity so thick I couldn't breathe. In these conditions, I just couldn't face the long winding walk back to the apartment. I thought of my options and decided to call John. He picked me up 15 minutes later in the white 12-passenger van. How'd you even get here? Did Issa drive you? John asked as I swung open the side door and hurled myself into the back row. I had the feeling I smelled like absolute shit. I walked, I replied. Seriously? Luella, there are so many winding streets on this island. It must have taken you an hour at least. An hour forty-five, I said. John craned his neck around. Come on, don't be way in the back like that. I drove all the way here. The least you can do is sit up front with me. I reluctantly navigated myself up to the front of the van, hoping the air conditioner vents going full blast would help dilute my body funk. You missed afternoon elimination. We had Sarah say you had an allergic reaction to latex. That's why you weren't there. Who got eliminated, I asked. Well, it was quite the episode. Tasha dumped Justin for Phil, and since you weren't there to choose, AJ got to stay. Luckily for Ethan, he had immunity from a previous week. That new guy, Justin, is going home already. Too bad, I said. Yeah, well, that's Sex Island for you. He was quiet for a beat while he drummed on the steering wheel. You want to get some ice cream? He asked, forcing a smile. Okay, Dad, I said, buckling my seatbelt. John rolled his eyes as he sped down a side street. He drove us deeper into the island's mainland. We didn't say much to each other on the ride, but the further I got from set, the better I felt. I could sense John's mood lightening too. We eventually stopped at a small ice cream shop called Scoopy's. Their logo was a knockoff Snoopy, holding a melting popsicle in one paw and giving a thumbs up with the other. I had high hopes for the place. We stepped up to the service window. I ordered a strawberry milkshake and John got a chocolate one. He treated The heat was oppressive, so we sipped them in the comfort of the air-conditioned van. I couldn't speak for John's, but mine tasted like magic. We were both loudly slurping up the dregs of our milkshakes when he broke the silence with a question. So, what'd you find out at the police station? I sucked up my last sip. Nothing new. He nodded. David G.'s sister's coming into town on Friday. Francis, she wants to pack up his belongings, meet his friends.' She's your ex, I asked. You've been doing your homework, huh? John sighed. Yeah, we were together for almost ten years. When did it end? Just after I got this job. She was so happy for David that I'd gotten him this amazing opportunity. He was a nurse, but he really wanted to be an actor. He'd been in L.A., but wasn't getting much traction there. Then he came here, and things were going great for him, but they went south just as fast. Anyway, sorry, I should have... Told you all this stuff earlier. I'm kind of out of my league here. He rubbed his eyes, then took my empty cup and stacked it under his. He opened the window and aimed both cups at a nearby garbage can. To our collective shock, he made them in. Did you see that? He asked. Holy crap, that's never happened in my entire life. As we drove back to the apartment complex, John told me more about growing up with David G., how he was the star of all the school plays, about David G.'s ex Chloe and how they were engaged when he broke it off. About the one time David G. beat the high score at their bowling alley and offered to buy beers for everyone but only had $23 to his name. About how he always wanted to be famous ever since he was a little kid. It was surreal learning about the normal, before life of a reality TV star, and a dead one at that. John turned quiet after those few stories. We kept the AC on high and turned on a local radio station just as the DJ started to play Red Red Wine. John knew all the words and softly sang along. We finally arrived back at the crew lot and pulled into a parking spot. John turned off the van. Neither of us moved to unbuckle our seatbelts. He turned to face me Luella, there are people on this show who will do anything to succeed, they will lie. They will cheat, and they will ruin their own lives in the process. Who, I asked. John began wringing his hands. You don't know what kind of environment you're dealing with here. It is weird here, I added. He exhaled. That night you found him? I admit I was acting a little crazy. I just didn't want it to be real. David G. was like a little brother to me. I knew things were getting out of hand, but I didn't know how far until until he was lying there in your fucking bathtub. He slammed the wheel then, and it honked. We both jumped. Sorry, ask me anything you want. I'm an open book, he said. What's with the key fobs, I asked. He sighed. It was Stryker's idea. Thought it would foster a community feel, something like that. Huh. And why'd you and Francis break up? She didn't understand what it's like here. David was having sex with the wrong people, doing drugs, getting into fights. He was a mess, basically. John's voice became strained. The guy was ruining his own life. Always exhausted and run down. That's not what a 21-year-old is supposed to act like. And she blamed me for everything. But what could I have done to stop it? That sparked something for me. He was sick a lot, I asked. Oh, all the time. He'd show up late to set with a million excuses. He was hungover. He must have had a bad batch of coke. I was angry at him. He he was embarrassing me. I got him this job. I know he's dead, but I guess I'm still angry. He had everything going for him, and he ruined it. John punched the steering wheel again, then broke down in tears. We both sat there for a minute, John weeping and me looking at the dirty car floor. He didn't ruin it. Someone else did. This was a homicide, I said. John blew his nose on a leftover Scoopy's napkin. How do you know for sure? I put my hand on his shoulder. A dead body can't put himself in a bathtub. Chapter 29. I checked the time. It was already 5.10 p.m. I was supposed to meet A.J. in my apartment 10 minutes ago. I thanked John for the ride and the milkshake and made a run for my apartment building. By the time I got to my door, it was 514, and I was relieved to not find AJ waiting for me. Maybe he was running late, too. Maybe I'd beat him there. I wished I had his phone number. I swiped my key fob, opened the door, and nearly screamed. There was AJ, sitting on my couch, eating handfuls of cool ranch Doritos from a family-sized bag. I thought back to the crumbs I'd found stuck to my face a couple days ago. Maybe they weren't from a long-ago previous tenant. I couldn't think about that now. What are you doing? I yelled. He wiggled his key fob in my general direction. Breaking into your apartment, huh-huh. What is up? Marie, how crazy is it that we're both here? Aren't you like 40? I glared at him. I'm 29, same age as your cousin, and it's Luella. I don't get it. What's with the Luella? He asked, sucking the cool ranch flavor off of his fingers one by one. Want a chip? I shook my head. It's an alias. Sick alias, he said sarcastically. Wait, so why are you here? I'm investigating. Oh, yeah, my cousin was telling me about how you abandoned your whole life and now you're claiming to be some fancy private detective. AJ laughed and grabbed another handful of chips. So who killed him? I'm trying to find out. Shit, that's scary. You think the killer's someone in the cast? I bet it's Tasha. I sat down in the chair adjacent to the couch. Why Tasha, I asked. He shrugged. Boobs of a murderer. I rolled my eyes at him and he laughed again hard. He always had a great laugh, even as a kid. Boisterous and raspy, it was contagious. There wasn't a whole lot I missed from Staten Island. But I did miss hearing someone laugh like that. Just be careful, I told him. He suddenly looked concerned. Really? I wouldn't trust anyone, AJ. He stood up and paced. All his life, he could never really sit still. It's just like, everyone I've met so far has been super nice. Tonight I'm supposed to meet up with a few of the guys from the cast. We're all going to the gym together. Sounds nice, I said. It all sounded a bit wholesome for the Sex Island crew, but I didn't think much of it at the time. Marie, sorry, Luella, um, if it's all right, I'm gonna do my thing here. I get you're here to solve a murder, and that sucks, but I'm here to have fun and meet girls and do my thing. They said I could win $100,000. That would, like, totally change my life, you know? Yeah. It's nice to see you and all, and I want to be friends, but I really want to do a good job on the show he paused. We cool? Totally, I said. I felt a lump in my throat, but I wasn't sure why. Come here, give me a hug, he said. He held out his tattooed arms, and I stood up and hugged him. Hey, uh, sorry for uh, trying to have sex with you before. For the record, I thought you were hotter with the brown frizz. He gave a little tug to my wig and laughed again. I found myself smiling and walked him to the door. The Marie stuff is our secret, I asked. Scout's Honor, I hope you find the son of a bitch. He paused, shuffling his feet. Hey, um, what do you think of Blair? Uh, she's hot and mean, everything you'd want in a reality show girlfriend. Why? He smiled. Wish me luck. Good luck, I said as I opened the door. He walked out and down the hall a few steps, then turned around. Hey, you should give my cousin a call sometime. She's miserable. Fucking hates Staten Island. Who doesn't? I asked. He laughed, saluted me and walked toward the elevator bank. The next day, AJ wasn't on set. Chapter 30 Thursday Issa walked me to set that Thursday morning as usual. Her long red hair was done up in a tight ballerina bun. She mentioned taking a double dose of Adderall an hour prior and that she felt amazing. She was moving at the speed of a rabbit in danger, which was 30 miles per hour according to that carrot magazine at the police station. In the middle of our walk, she turned to me, grabbed both of my shoulders, and sang that entire Pirates of Penzance song, I Am the Very Model of a Modern Major General. Isa reminded me of a kid at a sleepover after too much Mountain Dew. By the time we arrived at the trailers, we were both in hysterics. This was all before I knew AJ was missing. We were about to get to my trailer when I froze. Fifty feet away, I noticed a tall man with curls standing at the edge of the parking lot and staring at Issa and me. Even from far away, I could sense the anger in his body, his raised shoulders, his clenched fists, he looked an awful lot like that new guy, Justin, who'd been eliminated after one day on set. Isa, I said, nodding toward the strange man. Isn't that Justin? She was still giggling. What? Where? Behind you, 50 feet, I said. She abruptly turned, spotted him, then just as quickly turned back to me. Subtlety wasn't Issa's thing. Oh shit, that is definitely Justin. He shouldn't be here. I'll go say something to him. She started walking purposefully toward him. "'No, Isa, don't,' I insisted. "'If it truly was Justin, I needed a bit more time to observe him.' "'Oh, fine,' she chirped. "'But if he gets any closer, call me.' With that, she ran off toward Set. I looked back to where the man had been standing, but he was gone. Who needed coffee when one could start their morning like this? I changed into my costume. Today it was denim overalls and a bikini— I walked out of my trailer looking like a fifth grader at a pool party, but I didn't hate it. AJ's trailer was three doors down from mine, so I headed over to say hi. I wanted to know how his night with the guys went. Also, I felt weird about how we left things, and I wanted to remind him that on set, I was Luella, not Marie. I knocked on his door, but no one answered. After a minute, I let myself in. His trailer was empty, save for a pair of freshly pressed swim trunks hanging over a chair, and a tray of snacks. Little wax-covered cheese rounds, applesauces, those granola bars that were just nuts glued together. What the hell was going on here? I knew I wasn't a real contestant, but still, I never got any snacks. Inside his mini-fridge were seltzers, Gatorades, name-brand energy drinks. Okay, this was sexism, plain and simple, but I was getting too distracted by the amenities. Where was AJ? It seemed out of character for him not to show up on time during his first week on the job, especially after he told me how excited he was. There was a call sheet on his dressing table. I double-checked. His call time was the same as mine, 6 a.m. It was now almost 7 He must have overslept. I traced my finger across the call sheet, and there was his phone number. I gave him a call, but it just rang and rang and rang. Very odd. I know Luella's made some mistakes, and big ones at that. I was basically a rookie compared to most private eyes out there. But what I lacked in experience, I tried to make up for in listening skills and basic intuition. I don't know why. But I sensed at that moment something terrible might have happened to AJ. That whatever or whoever had gotten to David G. Was on to their next victim. And I needed to move fast if I was going to stop AJ from meeting the same fate. I would not have baby AJ's blood on my hands. Phil's trailer was next to AJ's and I figured he might know something about AJ's whereabouts. At the very least he must have seen him with the guys at the gym hang. I ran up his trailer's noisy metal stairs and banged on the door. "'Phil!' I yelled. "'Phil, open up!' Finally, Phil answered the door, looking very concerned. "'What's wrong, hun? he asked. "'Have you seen AJ?' I tried to breathe and keep the fear out of my voice. "'Come in, come in, come in.' He put his arm around me and sat me down on the small vinyl couch. He took a seat in the recliner. Phil had a candle burning that made the place smell like vanilla." He took a couple of cold-bottled waters from his mini-fridge and tossed one to me. You okay? he asked, a small crease forming between his perfectly symmetrical eyebrows. Have you seen AJ? I opened the bottle and took a sip. It was so cold I choked a little. Not since yesterday on set. Why? What about the gym hang? I asked. What are you talking about? he asked. It occurred to me then that maybe Phil wasn't invited to the guy's gym hang. Sarah had mentioned Phil mostly stayed to himself. Last night, AJ said, I began, when Phil's face clouded over. You saw him last night? We're old friends, I said. He avoided eye contact, opting to look out the plastic window instead. Cool, he nodded to himself. So no, Jim, I asked. I work out at home. You saw my place. He paused as if to regather his thoughts. His voice became creakier. You know, I came on this show thinking it was going to be attractive people meeting each other, having a good time. I'm attractive, right? I can have a good time, right? He was still looking out the window. Totally, I said, not sure what he was even asking me. I looked around and noticed the photograph of the woman on the vanity was no longer there. There are so many social dynamics at play, it's crazy, he continued. You have to be cool and funny and fit in with the guys. It's not fair. If we were just about meeting women and having sex on TV, I know I could win. But there's just so much bullshit. Phil chugged the rest of his water and crushed the plastic bottle in one fluid motion. I felt bad for upsetting Phil. Maybe I'd hit a raw nerve. But I had more pressing needs at the moment, namely learning AJ's whereabouts. I'm sorry, I didn't mean... He finally made eye contact. No, I'm sorry. Sometimes the show just gets to me. I nodded. I should find A.J., I said. Sure, sure, go, he said. He stayed seated in his chair, so I let myself out. As I opened the door, I heard him blow out the candle. Another memorable interaction with Phil for the books. Chapter 31 I decided to try Nate's trailer next. Out of the three guys remaining, Nate, David N., and Ethan, I thought Nate might be the one most willing to talk to me. He seemed friendlier than the other two, more approachable. Maybe it was because I'd seen him cry, or maybe it was the whole being Christian thing. I knocked on Nate's trailer, but no one answered. I tried the knob, but it was locked. David N.'s trailer was next door, so I tried his next. As a viewer of the show, I always felt kind of bad for David N. It was the general consensus he was the lesser of the two Davids. Compared to David G., he was less attractive, less interesting, and he made a weird noise when he climaxed. He sounded like a horse saying hi to another horse. His claim to fame was that he'd never dumped anyone, that he'd always been the dumpy, even in relationships prior to the show. Because of that, he was seen as a frequent and reliable rebound, He'd only started sleeping with Sarah after David G. broke up with her. Who is it? yelled a low voice from within. Luella, I said. I heard two or maybe three voices discuss something I couldn't quite make out. One sec. The same low voice bellowed. David N. answered the door wearing a robe and pajama pants with dancing penguins on them. He stepped out and mostly closed the door behind him, accidentally leaving it open a small crack. I could sense movement behind the door what's up he asked flatly busy i asked nope i squinted up at him for some spiteful reason the sun had moved directly behind david n's narrow head nearly blinding me to look at him seen aj i asked the new guy nope sorry he said with his left hand already back on the doorknob go to the gym last night he shook his head Nah, Nate and Ethan came over and we watched a movie. What movie, I asked. He paused. Mighty Ducks. He paused again. Actually, Mighty Ducks 2. Both? No, yeah, uh, just Mighty Ducks 2. This guy was a worse liar than Stephanie and John combined. Everyone knew the sequel to Mighty Ducks was not called Mighty Ducks 2. It was called D2, The Mighty Ducks. He would have known that if he'd just watched the movie the night before. "'Is A.J. with you?' I asked, nodding at his trailer door. "'No, I'm alone,' he said. The way he stared at me with his jaws slightly open, he looked like the world's skinniest caveman. He still hadn't shaved off that pathetic goatee. "'Luela, I gotta get ready. See ya.' He opened his trailer door just enough so he could slip back in without me seeing inside. I knew earlier I'd heard at least three voices. Who didn't want me to know they were in there? So far, nobody had admitted to going to the gym with AJ. Had AJ lied to me? And was I supposed to believe that the night before, 321 21-year-old guys sat quietly on a couch together watching the sequel to The Mighty Ducks, where the quack attack is back and they face off against Team Iceland in the Junior Olympics? and Ann was full of shit. I wanted to know who else was in that trailer with David N. Maybe AJ was inside, and all this worry was for nothing. I looked at the time. It was 7.20 a.m. Everyone would have to come out of there eventually. I'd just have to employ the oldest trick in the private investigator's handbook. Sitting and waiting. I looked around for a hideout spot and spotted the medic's trailer directly across the way. Jackpot. The show's medic was a woman named Sheila. She was 55 years old with bleach blonde hair and she wore enough purple eyeshadow for 12 additional eyes. Sheila was one of those new age types who believed anything could be cured with a clove of garlic, including, but not limited to, athlete's foot and all cancers. From the outside, I could see Sheila's trailer was equipped with a day bed that was pushed up against her front window. I assumed this was for the ill and infirmed It would be a near-perfect surveillance spot as long as I could stomach hearing about the virtues of raw garlic for an hour. I knocked on her door and told her I had a mysterious stomachache. She instructed me to lie down on the daybed right away while she made a fresh batch of spicy broth for the tum-tum. I could not believe this woman had a medical license. Here are a few of the direct quotes I heard Sheila say while I stared out the window waiting for anyone to leave David N.'s trailer. If fruit is nature's candy, then ginger is nature's sexy little girlfriend. I got the vaccine. It's called garlic. The human body can actually process raw pork with ease. I start my day with two raw eggs and a whole loaf of bread, and just look at me. I'm a perfect human specimen. I was halfway done with my spicy broth for the tum-tum, an actually pleasant-tasting chicken broth with a generous amount of turmeric and garlic in it, when I finally saw a movement. David N.'s trailer door swung open, and of all people, Stephanie walked out, followed by Nate. No, AJ. Stephanie looked both ways that made her brisk, purposeful way towards set. Nate stalked off in the opposite direction. Sheila caught me watching Stephanie from the window and cleared her throat. You know, I don't like to talk out of school, but that woman is so darn mean. I saw her screaming at David G. that Friday before he disappeared, yelling and screaming, and she didn't care who heard her. She was mad, 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 mad. I turned towards Sheila. Why? She popped a clove into the garlic press and squeezed. Well, why do you think? He dumped her. So maybe David N. was Stephanie's latest rebound? But the question remained... What was Nate's involvement, and why were they all hiding from me? Regardless, I needed to find A.J. and hopefully still alive. My plan was thorough enough. I would sneak off set and search his apartment. If he wasn't in there, I'd search Nate's and David N.'s, then Stephanie's and George Stryker's, Tasha's, and then everyone's. I told Sheila I was all better, and she nodded knowingly. Thank the magical tum-tum broth. It always worked on David G. He was in here all the time. Don't tell anyone, but I was rooting for him to win. David G. was in there all the time. I thought of Detective Johannes' story about the wife gradually poisoning the husband, but I didn't have time to think about that now. I ran out of Sheila's trailer and sprinted through several busy crew members as I made my way toward the apartment complex. I needed to work faster than I'd been working. Another life was on the line now. My heart was pounding. I was running fast, mostly looking behind to see if anyone was chasing after me. And that's when I collided head-on with Isa. We both fell backward, and I heard my own bones thud loudly against the pavement. Never a good thing. Damn, Luella, watch where you're going! She examined her palms, which were scraped but not yet bleeding. I noticed a small tattoo on her inner wrist I'd never seen before a solid black skull with crossbones underneath like a poison symbol. I wouldn't have tagged Issa for a goth gal, but I had Betty Boop and her little dog on my lower back, so who's to judge what tattoos a person gets and why? For example, being 22 and drunk in Atlantic City. I had landed hard on my ass, and I feared one of those tailbone injuries that can never be fixed. Sheila would be feeding me garlic for the rest of my days. I would become one of those people who brought an inflatable seat donut with them wherever they went. I'd have a smell people couldn't pinpoint, but they'd learn to associate it with me. Isa got up first and dusted herself off, then helped me to my feet. She was wearing a whistle and dressed head to toe like a referee. Something weird was happening. Come on, let's get to set. I can't. I, I left something back at the apartment, I said. Sorry, Stryker says all cast must report for today's shoot, she said. Have you seen AJ yet? I asked her. Not yet, but he's probably already on set. Those new guys are always early. Now don't make my job harder than it already is. Let's go. She clapped her hand right on my tailbone, and I felt such severe pain I shivered. Ow! I screamed, but she'd already locked elbows with me and begun walking at a much faster pace than I was comfortable with. If Stryker said all cast must report, hopefully AJ was already there. Hopefully, there was nothing to worry about. This has been chapters 28 through 31 of Murder on Sex Island, read by the author Joe Firestone, that's me. This podcast is produced by Barry Finkel. Our music is from Blue Dot Sessions. You can purchase the actual book in two weeks, October 17th. Pre-order it! Go ahead, pre-order it! Episode 9 comes out next week. I'll be reading chapters 32 through 34. Don't worry, you won't find out who done it until after October 17th. But we will find out more about AJ. Till next time.